Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson. Thanks for joining us today at Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time, nine-year survivor of breast cancer, and I'm the co-host of our show with Becky Olson, who can't be here today. I'm also the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends, and I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you all for joining us today. And I'm Lauren Huffmaster. I am a metastatic breast cancer survivor and the founder of the Venture Therapy Foundation. I'm also the co-creator of RISE, an app for innovation for the restoration and emotional health in cancer. Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. We're gonna to talk about addressing and acknowledging the emotional side effects of cancer and how you are helping the community through the Adventure Therapy Foundation and also rise in the future. Let's dig into it. And most importantly, where we all start out from, can you tell me about your cancer diagnosis? Yeah, I'd love to. I was diagnosed um, in my 30s and my children were two, four, and six. So I was a very young mother just getting through um, breastfeeding and that's how I actually found my cancer which I think is a pretty common story um, and at the end of breastfeeding I found a lump in my breast and so I began with breast cancer there I went through all the typical treatments um, radiation chemo surgeries and then right at the end of my treatments schedule um, I was scanned and they found that I had metastatic breast cancer so I moved directly from stage three to stage four after doing all the stage three treatments and I've been living with stage four cancer, but um, I'm about five and a half years in. And for the last year, my scans have showed NED, which is no evidence of disease. Yay. That's amazing. Such great news. But it really sounds like I can't even imagine the emotions and how traumatic this was for you. I know myself, I was a mom of a young son when I was first diagnosed and I know what my family went through. How did your family react? How did this really impact your family at the time? Well, you know, I watched my children pretty closely, of course. Um, once I started feeling better, I think when you're going through treatment, you're just, you're just trying to get through. But when my treatments were over and I started to feel better, I looked around at my family maybe for the first time in a year and, and realized my children were not really acting like children. And as I thought about it, I realized that for over a year, they'd only had negative things to, to think about. Like the future was always full of more treatments and more surgeries and one thing after another. And when you're that young, then that consumes all that you know about life, really. And so um, when I looked at them, I realized we had to do something different. Um, we had to give them something positive to look forward to. And we started out with just small things. Um, we called them family adventures. And we just every week built one new thing we had never done together as a family. And we, but we put it in front of them. We wouldn't tell them what it was. We left it as a surprise. And then they, every week would just be full of all this anticipation for mm -hmm. one fun thing coming. And 
in no time flat, they were children again. You know, I remember looking down the street and seeing my daughter skip. And I was like, I don't feel like she'd done that in so long. Cause I feel like the burden of cancer was just laying on her. So her tiny little shoulders so much. And so I, I knew we, we had to be intentional as families to um, move through cancer, not just heal myself emotionally, but also help my family heal, no matter how small or old they are. Yeah, that is huge. And one thing, unfortunately, that often is overlooked at how cancer affects the entire family. While the person who is actually diagnosed, obviously, they're the ones going through treatment, but the emotional and even physical side effects that really take hold over the rest of the family, whether it's a partner, a spouse, or children, because Everyone wants to help the person who has been diagnosed, but then we look at ourselves as, as moms, especially, where we're really the center of most families. We take, care of, we take care of everything. We make sure everything flows and just the special relationships that I think moms often have with their kids um, that gets stolen sometimes during the cancer treatment. And it, re- it does, it really changes their childhood because they're dealing with a mom who has who has is going through something and they can't help and they're like oh gosh why is mom so tired why did mom lose her hair and you know and you know that question like you know is mom going to be okay and i think gosh sounds like what you did as a family really helped move you out of that period and moving forward into survivorship so that sounds great um now but how did you We've talked about your family a little bit. How did the second diagnosis and becoming diagnosed as metastatic affect you emotionally? Yeah, I tell you, I think a lot of people respond the way I responded. You know, first of all, it caught you completely off guard. I had no idea. I was just being scanned for one last surgery for my stage three treatment. And so it was not like there was any physical pain or anything like that. We were completely caught off guard. And then when you hear you have metastatic breast cancer, my mind went immediately to just that I was going to die. Like there's no other solution, right? I'm going to die. And so for about six weeks, everything I did was just preparing my family so that I could die. Like I was cleaning out my closet and putting things in three piles for each of my children. And, you know, there's nothing I every breath every day was just about preparing my family for me to die and as I did this every day just got harder you know I and one day I woke up and I could like visually see in my brain a spiral and I was every day just waking up and going down 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 into this spiral and I realized that if I continued on this path I would not be able to pull out and no matter how many years of life I had I would be living in this depression this this state of dying rather than a state of living. And then I looked at it and I said, well, what happens if I choose every day to go in a different direction? Where will that take me? And I looked in my mind and decided, looked at who I wanted to be. Do I want to be a person who's always preparing to die? Or do I want to be a person who's living and building legacy and doing something that's never been done before? And I don't know about others, but when you have metastatic breast cancer, it's like, you're already living your worst nightmare. So fear can control you. Yes, because you are living your worst nightmare. Or you can just step above that fear, then all the other fears fall aside too. (laughs) And so in many ways, when I looked up the other side of the spiral and I said, you know what, if I choose to live on this side of the spiral, then 
I'm going to become the person I always dreamed myself to be. And I won't be tied down by any kind of fear. And, and that's what I chose. So I definitely had a season of deep mourning, like I've never experienced before. But there was a moment when I chose that it was time to stop, stop mourning and start living. That's such that's such an amazing philosophy, and unfortunately, a lot of a lot of people who are in your shoes don't get there. And if you, it's really all about how you choose to look at it, because attitude is so important to your health. And you know, scientifically, they say a good attitude can't cure cancer. However, we're looking at you five and a half years later, and you're NED, and it's you know, you have to think, wow, is it something that something that my brain really helped get my body back in tune. Because if you think about it, we're all going to die. No day is guaranteed for any of us. While, while you may have the label of metastatic, it's the same as, not, I apologize, not the same because you're dealing in a totally different realm because you have that label, but no one knows what tomorrow is going to bring. You have just chosen to choose joy and to choose life because cancer can cause, like you mentioned, depression and anxiety. And it's so important to move forward and get those things out as best you can because you have so much to live for. You have your, your family and your daughters and you want to watch them grow up. And uh, attitude is huge in that. And I'm guessing that all of the, your, your choices and your choosing to take new directions every day is what led you to starting your foundation. Can we talk a little bit about that? Definitely. Yes. Um, this choice to live, um, this choice to um, not, because I, I say every, I could live through every day from now. I don't know how long I will live, right? But I could waste every day or I can make every day count, you know? And so once I decided to live, I had this also, this realization just that, I have a voice. I could almost see me like on a stage and I could see that my voice was so unique because A, I wasn't going to choose to live in fear and B, I had this metastatic diagnosis and I knew from being stage three that when you're stage four, people take notice of you. They want to know what it's going to be like. Like if I get to your place, what will it feel like? Who can I be, right? And mm -hmm. so there is sort of a spotlight on people who are living with stage four um, because in another way, we're the first generation to live with stage four cancer for extended periods of time. Exactly. And so, so we are really defining what survivorship can be. Um, and so, yeah, when I, when I decided that I'm going to live and I'm going to use my voice, the next step for me was I'm going to start a nonprofit. I'd always wanted a nonprofit since I was like in college mm -hmm. and I decided, you know, I'm going to start a nonprofit. I'm going to invest in, multi-generational healing and restoration in the emotional realm. When I look around, um, there's a lot of organizations that deal with the physical aspects of cancer, a lot less looking at the emotional um, specifically, and even fewer who are acknowledging cancer's impact on relationship, on the family mm -hmm. unit. And so when I um, founded Adventure Therapy Foundation, it was all about the family unit, investing in the unit, and really strengthening that to the greatest extent possible. Um, over the years, I've defined my, my mission a little better. And now we're really talking about the emotional side effects of cancer. 
I made that up because there wasn't a word that described <laughs> what it means for survivorship. All those things you're dealing with after treatment, there's no words to describe what the emotional side effects of cancer are. And um, so I had to find, I had to create my own word. Um, and, and I really am looking at fear, overcoming and minimizing fear, isolation, and this idea of a shifting identity. And some people say a broken identity, but it's really just shifting because mm-hmm. like me, I had to decide if I was going to spend my life mourning what I wouldn't be or spend my life, you know, embracing what I can be. And it's just, you have to make a lot of choices about who you will be um, in and through cancer. Exactly. And I, I want to touch on something you mentioned there broken. And so many people, myself included, when I was going through cancer, you feel broken because things are so changed in your body. Um, I, you know, I had my breasts removed and reconstructed. I had a full hysterectomy and I was different. I was such a different person. And I felt broken because all of my lady parts were gone. And I I know that's a, a silly thing to say, but it's really how it affected me. And then over time, and I'm four years out from my second diagnosis, I've become, I've realized that I'm not broken, I'm whole, but I'm different. So shifting identity is really so important. But one thing I have to ask you, how did you find the energy to start a nonprofit when you, you know, post-treatment, diagnose metastatic, a family to take care of? How did you do it? I I was purpose-driven. You know, I'm the only thing that can get me through the metastatic experience, I think, is having a purpose, giving my experience a purpose, my circumstances, some reason to exist, right? And so as soon as in my mind, I could see that this cancer isn't something that's like attacking me and trying to destroy me. Instead, it's an opportunity. My weakness can become my opportunity. And a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, quotes about that. But if we can truly internalize that this bad thing happened to me, but now it's an opportunity for me to help other people going through this bad experience, then you're released to do something meaningful. And that creates so much excitement. And, and you know, when I meet someone, I met a family yesterday who's um, dealing with end of life and I can, I can sit with them and I can hear their burden and know exactly what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. And just for them to know that they're not, again, they're not alone. You know, there's, there's someone who's struggled with these exact questions, sitting beside them, talking to them. You know, this is such a gift. It's, it's counseling, it's coaching, it's ministry, it's whatever you want it to be. But, but it is so important to be able to give back into this hurting cycle of cancer and hopefully bring some change in that. So all of that purpose just mm-hmm. gives me energy. I wake up every day and I'm so excited to go to work. That's amazing. And most people aren't lucky enough to have that. And you found that because of cancer. And like you said, it, it is a gift. And like so many people, myself included, cancer changed me. And it's turned me into a better person in so many ways. Um, let's really quickly, we have a couple of minutes before break. Can you start to talk about like the programs that you offer? Definitely. Yes. So we started out with a retreat program because again, going back to that idea of my children, giving them something good to look forward to. I wanted to give families an opportunity to have something good to look forward to. And so our flagship program is the retreat. Um, I didn't want it to just be a moment um, where they were having, you know, 
a great experience. I wanted it to be a healing moment. So we, then we added on top of that a coaching session. So now we, our, our applicants receive three months of cancer around wellness and emotion, and then they're given their retreat session so that they can hopefully articulate the cancer process before they go on retreat. And then all of that, on that retreat, they can have real conversations. And I say, I love it when families can go away, have really good conversations, clear the air, talk about the hurts, and then release that to that place and then go home sort of restored, leaving all that yuck behind them and make that really a milestone moment in their cancer life. That is fabulous. I I mean, gosh, we could all benefit from cancer coaching, even without a retreat. But uh, it sounds fabulous, I, I have to say. Um, how, do you, how do you set up the coaching? How does that work? I've partnered with an organization. I, at the beginning, I did coaching myself. Not that I'm a certified coach, but I just have the experience. Um, and now our applicants have grown so much that I have partnered with a cancer coaching organization, and they provide certified coaches for each of my applicants. That is fabulous. So, such a great thing you've 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 created for for these people, these families. Um, but we are going to need to take a short break here. Um, remember, all of you out there, you can make a donation to Breast Friends on our website or by texting BF Radio to four one four 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 to help Breast Friends continue on its mission to ensure that women do not go through cancer alone. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. 
Thanks for joining us today at Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time nine-year breast cancer survivor and the co-host of this show with Becky Olson. Today, we are here with Lauren Huffmaster from the Adventure Therapy Foundation talking about acknowledging and addressing the emotional side effects of cancer. Lauren, let's get back to where we were going. Um, We had been talking about the programs that you have and the coaching that you're doing, which sounds fabulous. But can you talk a little bit more about who you really serve at Adventure Therapy Foundation? Does it have to be a family? Typically, yes. Um, When it comes to retreats, we have other programs that aren't family specific, but we really are looking at this multi-generational relationship and it's how it's impacted by cancer. So my ideal family to serve would be families with school-aged children in the home. Um, I personally am very interested in breaking off a culture of fear around the next generation. Um, culture of fear around cancer, I should say. Our, our whole country is afraid of cancer, right? But mm-hmm. me- medical technology is really, really coming along quickly. And soon we will be living with cancer. Cancer is not going to be something that means you're going to die quickly necessarily. We're going to be living perhaps long lives while also living with cancer. And if we don't mentally shift how we think about cancer, then we won't, then it will be irrational. There'll be a lot of fear, even though the risk is lower. And Mm -hmm. so my heart is really just to break off this idea that everything around cancer is negative um, on the next generation. Um, We serve families all across the country. Um, My perfect family would be um, someone who just finished treatment so I could help them through that next season because I believe the year after treatment is the most difficult. And that's really where I'd love to coach um, families and then provide the retreat. I love that. You mentioned multi-generational. Have you had any like parents of of those diagnosed go through the the program as well or just, um, you know, the diagnosed person, spouse and children? No, I have have parents as well. Yeah, um, sometimes it's parents their their child who's probably diagnosed, and then mm-hmm. the the children slash grandchildren. I've also had grandparents take their ch- grandchildren because perhaps they're mm-hmm. a caregiver or something, and the children have sure. been impacted. I love that. It's it's so important because, unfortunately, I think as a culture, especially in the United States, we've gotten away from a super close family unit in so many other countries entire families of grandparents, parents, children, all live together. And as we've become a culture that has grown into, oh, we all have our own houses, we all have our own space, we're a little bit disconnected. And a a diagnosis of cancer can really bring people back together, but it also needs to heal them together because the emotional effects really hit everyone. For myself personally, my grandmother died of metastatic breast cancer. And so when I had to call my father and tell him that I had breast cancer, that was one of the worst conversations of my life. And we're doing fine now, but man, he and I really could have benefited something like this because we don't know how to talk about it as a culture because cancer does mean fear and scared and we're all going to die. And that's, that's not true. And as you said, with, with medical technology, as we move forward, more people are going to be living with cancer and they could really use your foundation. Um, you mentioned that you are serving people all over the country. Um, I know we're based here in Portland, Oregon. 
do you still have more people here in Portland or where is your demographic? Well, I am based in the San Francisco Bay Area. And so in the past, before COVID, this was probably my more dominant area. But during COVID, um, this was also the most locked down area. And so I really was unable to serve um, families on retreat in California. But because of that, I invested in a home in Tennessee and we created a retreat center there. So the retreat center in that location can serve Lexington to Atlanta, Memphis to Knoxville, really the whole Southeast, most of the major cities through that one home. And then I can ensure that it's clean properly for viruses, it's a no touch entry, all the things that would keep a person safe. So they can go to that home, it's on a lake, it's near a state, it's next door to a state park. There's so many things to explore, waterfalls and everything, rock bridges. Um, and so we've started to create um, a, a growing community in the Southeast as well, just because we have that resource there. That's fabulous. And I apologize. I, I just assume that everyone is in Portland, Oregon with me. Um, but yeah, that must have been especially difficult with everything closing down because how do you set up adventures when you can't go anywhere? Um, we'll get to that later. But um, yeah, that Tennessee retreat sounds fabulous. I've never been to that part of the country, so I I would love to check it out. But unfortunately, I'm past your 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 time frame. But that's okay. <laughs> um, now I know we've talked a lot about the programs and and who you serve, but what is the real philosophy behind your work? Well, everything I do is very intentional, and like I, we mentioned, I am metastatic, so I sort of know the ins and outs, all the things that are hard to articulate, you know, from the outside, I, I've really tried to break it down for myself so that I can serve families. Um, so the retreats I provide are individually curated. So you're not going away with 10 other families. It's really just for you. It's to, for your family unit. And we only send you three hours from your home. So the idea is that people can be happy in Hawaii, you can be happy in Cancun, but you need to be happy wherever <laughs> you are today, right? And so our retreats are sort of to invest in that idea. We want you to be happy where you are, discover new things where you are. Um, and then on retreat, we pay for you to have one activity. So you could choose a zip line or ski or go surfing. And we're going to set that all up for you because especially in that year after treatment, it's hard to re-engage. It's mm-hmm. hard to remind your family that it's okay to still live. It's okay to laugh together. You know, it's okay to not be sad in this moment. You know, there's going to be times of sadness. There will be times of joy, but we want to remind families that you are done and you can re-engage. Um, even if you're metastatic, I'm metastatic and this is still very meaningful for me, but for most people, there's a season where you're done with a certain treatment mm-hmm. That that healing time to sort of mentally remember why you're doing all of the treatment, you know, remember what it's all for. And that's what these activities, these retreats are all about. That that completely makes sense. And one thing, too, I think is important to remember if if you are the the patient um, or the woman person who's gone through cancer you can still participate generally in most of these activities and it might look a little bit different. You know, I, after, after my diagnosis and and my, uh, my bilateral, I had a lot of problems with my arms, um, just movement overall, but being able to still go out and do things with your family, it gives you extra energy and it really invigorates you. And even though things may look a little bit different, you can still do them. And I think that's what's so important in doing them with your family to, to really 
re-engage in life is so critical. I love that. Um, and we talked a little bit about some about your programs, but how would you really say that your foundation is different than the other things that are out there right now? I definitely, my heart is not just to give free vacations. I really, <laughs> I want to invest in this emotional restoration. I want to invest in familial relationships, this multi-generation restoration. Um, I, on the Great outside, term, by like, the way. I love that. <laughs> I can, I can attract people to me by offering a free vacation, but once they come in, I really am talking to them. I'm trying to help them find where they are in their cancer journey. And um, that's what the, of course, that's what the coaching is all about as well. Mm -hmm. So, but also as an individual, I want us as a cancer community to start to recognize cancer does not just impact a patient. Yep. It impacts everyone who loves that individual. And that is just not something for some reason we're capturing very well. Almost all the programming, does, there's almost zero programming for caregivers, which makes no sense. They're, they're carrying so much burden, financial mm -hmm. burden, you know, structural stability, all these while the patient is, is hurting and they're having to deal with the uncertainty around what's going on with the patient. So I really want to be an organization that acknowledges um, the whole family unit, everyone who's going through the, the co-survivors, you know, the people mm -hmm. who are going through this with you. That is a great term that's really not recognized co-survivor because the diagnosis affects everyone in the household and in the family, even out of the household. And you need to heal in the same way. So all together. Um, back to the coaching. Does everyone in the family do the coaching? They can. I think typically only one person will be the, there will be one person who finds it valuable and who will go through it. Okay. And so they can join, like couples can join. But um, the, my idea, because my experience is only one person will choose to do it, is that that person is just given the terms, the tools to articulate the experience. And then they can lead their own family. Like as moms, we're naturally going to teach our kids what we know anyway. So they can lead their family through the process um, in whatever way feels good for their. That makes sense. Um, now, I did a little bit of... Um looking around on your website and I saw that for families to apply, they have to go out, they have to go in and fill out a questionnaire. Is that how you craft each adventure? Yeah, that's the beginning. So that just tells me a little bit about what you're interested in, where you are emotionally. And if you have any concerns, like if you're worried about, you said your arms, you know, I, I had a time when Mike can use my arm. So it just tells me sort of a little bit of your limitations and it gets the conversation started. Got it. And while the families are out on their adventures, you know, you've given them not a free vacation, but this experience, this adventure, and the time to bond and heal and do something fun together. But do you have any special requests of the families that are out there? My, I write a letter and all I ask is that they set aside one evening to really Con to have a conversation to and I give them questions they can go through exercises they can go through but the the whole point of it it's really not meaningful unless you set aside that time and sometimes families aren't they they've grown good at not talking about the problems right mm -hmm. the problems around cancer so it's it's actually a pretty big ask that you guys spend an hour or two talking about what is hurting your heart what is hurting your relationships from cancer and so that's that's my one ask of the families and I, that's, that completely makes sense because we do, we avoid it. Once, you know, treatment is done, we're like, okay, let's move on. Let's not talk about it because cancer is scary. 
And having an ask like that, when when you are on this this trip that has been sponsored for you and is free, while it may force you to do something, it's huge and I'm sure it's very beneficial. Do they report back to you afterwards? Um, only voluntarily. I always follow mm-hmm. up with families, but um, some families will want to tell me everything that happened in their conversation. And some families don't, and that's fine with me. But like you mentioned with your father, um, he was still hurting, you know, years after he, you lost your mm-hmm. mom. So, so this this hurt that happens inside of people, it's not just a momentary thing, right? And we really have to talk about it. We have to air it out in some ways before us to grow together. Because as parents, our job is to not hurt our kids, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes we hold our own hurt in and they can see it in us. It's not like it's a secret. But if we actually sit down, we have the words to say. And sometimes it's just hard to talk about, which is why we give you the words. So if we teach you how to articulate it, and you sit down, it's an honesty moment with you and your children and your spouse. And that honesty is actually establishing a level of trust in your children so that later on in life, no matter how bad things get, they will expect honesty from people in their life rather than thinking that when things get really bad, everyone just pulls apart and does their best individually, right? That's not a very good system when you grow up, um, when you have adult relationships. So this is actually a good establishing pattern for your children to see. So when they grow up, they can actually choose to reach out in hard times as well. I totally understand that. It makes me think of something from my own experience. So I... um, my husband, he had a, a marriage and a family before, and I have four, I call them bonus kids. And when we got married and then became pregnant with my son now, we called all the kids together and we, we told them that we were going to have a baby and they were going to have a new brother or sister, which was great and everything was fabulous. Well, two years later, less than two years later, when I received my cancer diagnosis, we called everyone together again and they thought we were going to have another baby and we had to tell them that I had breast cancer. So it was a little bit of a a challenging thing, but it really established that honest and open communication that we weren't hiding anything from them. And mind you, at the time, they ranged in age from eight to 13. So still young kids, but we really wanted to include all of them in the process to be honest and to be open. And it really, I think, made a huge difference in how they they looked at us because they knew we were being honest and telling them everything that was going on. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So let's get back to you. Enough about me. Um, how many, I know you've only been around for about three years for the program. How many families would you serve in a typical year? I know that 2020 was not typical, but what is your hope and goal going forward? Yeah, right now with our current staffing, I, I'm hoping to serve about 50 families a year. That is fabulous. And it's basically all self-selected from going to your website? Yeah. Um, typically, when one family goes out, they tell two of their friends and two of their friends show up the next week. So, yes, um, it, it's definitely mushroomed. We started out with one or two families and it's grown. But, but yes, it, we do very little advertising really of the retreats because it Mm -hmm. would be such a popular program and we need the correct funding to meet our demand. But 50 families a year is something we can manage. And um, yeah, they just go to their, our website after they hear about us. Perfect. Well, that leads me to my next question. How are your ventures funded? Because I know you're not paying for all this on your own. (laughs) 
Yeah, we, we have a variety of funding. We do a lot of um, crowdfunding, social media fundraisers, um, which has been very successful. Um, I try to get individual families supported. So going to small businesses, medium businesses, asking for sponsorship for one family. Um, so when you do apply, it's important that I can use your story and use your pictures, if not on social media, then at least in newsletters so I can help um, sponsor your retreat. Um, we love to get grants, and but we haven't had a lot of success yet because we are a young organization. Mm-hmm. And so typically you have to be around longer. So crowdsourcing and um, individual sponsorships through um, through businesses. But this year we just, we're right now starting our first fundraiser. It's a 5K called Be a Challenger. So you can go to beachallenger.org. And the, the idea is that you are challenging isolation and fear in those that you love. So you're standing with them, you're acknowledging their cancer journey, and you are becoming a challenger, someone who wants to help them overcome fear and isolation. So that's our current fundraiser to sponsor the families that will go out after COVID. Got it. And you mentioned the website or the, the login for the 5k. Um, we'll talk about it again at the end, but what is your, um, your URL for the, your website? My website is adventurefound.org. Perfect. So we'll talk about that again at the end, but um, really quickly, we have a little bit of time before our next break. Did you have your own adventure in your cancer journey? I know you talked about your, your weekly things, but there's one thing, is there one thing that really stuck out? Adventure therapy is my adventure. You know, <laughs> adventure therapy requires that every day I get up and I do something new that I'd never done before. Um, so I personally definitely went on adventures. I, I um, went to the mountains every time I was in chemo just to get that mental break. But really adventure therapy is my adventure. That is the perfect answer. I love that. And it's something that's going to keep giving to you for years, hopefully. And you're establishing such a great precedent for your children to see, wow, mom has metastatic breast cancer, but look what she's done. She goes out and helps, you know, 50 plus families a year with these amazing things. And I, I don't think there's much more that's as fulfilling as that, but we do have to take another quick break. Uh, Stay with us. We'll be back soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women, but women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our show. My name is Michelle Beck, and today we've been talking with Lauren Huffmaster, founder of the Adventure Fit Therapy Foundation. And now we're going to really dig into the emotional side effects of cancer, isolation, fear, and identity. Lauren, can we talk about that? Definitely. I think the emotional side effects of cancer, um, people understand fear. I think there's definitely a culture of fear around cancer, whether you have cancer or not. The isolation is both emotional and physical. You sh- and we can now, under- there's a global empathy around isolation, right? Because of COVID. Everyone's been quarantined at some point in the last year. And so all of a sudden, we can all understand what it means to have suddenly all your plans are gone. Suddenly your life has changed, your routines are changed, you're, you're limited in a way you weren't the day before. And so this is a great moment for the cancer community to build bridges because every individual in the world can understand what isolation really means, right? It really means in your life. Um, the identity piece is a little harder for us to understand, but again, COVID's going to help us create that common conversation, um, common ground, because identity to me means, and it really starts after your treatment. You have to take a time after treatment to mourn for everything that you're not anymore. Because there are going to be a lot of things that you've just lost. It could be friends. It could be a job. It could be just your physical health, things that hobbies you can't do anymore, like running or swimming. Um, You have to mourn for that. Then you need to sit in in where you are right now until you're okay with who you are today. Um, Sitting there allows you to find your current strengths. Because even though you've lost some parts of your identity, you have actually gained quite a few things as well. Cancer helps many people focus what's important to them, go back to their values, go back to their purposes that they had always wanted to do, but maybe got too busy around them, right? So you have to sit with your who you are, with your current identity for a minute and, and realize that you're okay where you are. You, you're never going to be who you were, but who you are is good and strong as well. And then from that moment, you can create a new trajectory for your life. You can look toward a new purpose with your new strengths. And and this is all about shifting identities. Um, People feel broken because I think they stay in that mourning piece, right? You're going to feel like it's a broken identity when you're only looking backwards. But if you can make yourself sit and look and see who you are today and be okay with that, Um, even if you're not got the same hair or you don't have the same body or whatever, (laughs) learn to be okay with that because it's not something we can undo, right? And then once you do that, your identity can go in a good and purposeful way. And that's really a gift of cancer, getting to that third stage of the identity shift. 
that is the gift of cancer because you can now become something that's very, very precise. Um, in some ways I talk about, it's like a forest fire. Like there's all this underbrush and stuff that's fallen, all the old dead and so cluttered. But when the forest fire goes through, it clears all that out and makes space for very, um, for the new growth. And in our life, that new growth can be something we specifically choose. We've curated for ourselves. And um, so really that is the gift of cancer. If, if you can just walk yourself through that and not get stuck at any of the one stages. I love that. I think we should make hashtag gift of cancer be trending and make it go viral because it's something that people just don't think about. They're, you know, cancer is bad. Cancer is scary. But when you look at the gifts that cancer has given people, and sometimes you might have to search to find them, but they're out there. And it's really that shift in identity, which will help them move forward and empower them and find their their new life because it really is a new normal. And you're not going to go back to the old you, but there are fabulous things to find as you go forward. And that's super important. Um, let's talk a little bit more about 2020 and COVID because it it has impacted, as you said, everyone in the world. And for so many years, cancer patients, they were dealing with this on their own. No one understood, okay, you've got chemo, you're too sick to leave the house. You don't have, you don't have hair, you're scared. You've got all of these new things and, and you're isolated and you can't talk to anyone. But now people are like, huh, I, I understand what isolation means. I understand fear. And it, it really was an interesting year, because I think there's there's been some good because people do understand the isolation and the fear. But then sometimes I have heard some off comments like, oh, COVID, gosh, you know, I, I get what you went through now because you had cancer because I had to stay home because of COVID. And it's not really the same thing. So I think we need to kind of create a better understanding of what cancer is doing to us versus what COVID has done to us. Does that make sense? Definitely. Um, I, I, it is a starting point. I agree mm -hmm. with you. Um, the COVID experience is a starting point for people to understand what the cancer experience is. But the person impacted by cancer is having to deal with the disease that is already in their body. They're having to go through all these treatments. They're having surgeries to change them permanently. So there's obviously way more going on in the life and the uncertainty around cancer than someone who's not actually impacted by COVID. They're just being quarantined, right? Right. So there, there definitely is a huge difference there. But the moment when you find out you're going to be quarantined and all of your plans for the next year are going to be canceled, mm -hmm. now that is a similar experience to the yes. moment you realize you're going to have, you know, be diagnosed with cancer and everything in your future is just sort of going to get wiped. Um, mm -hmm. And similarly, like I was talking about with identity, with COVID, we've had to release all that clutter in our life, all the all the soccer games or the dinner dates or whatever we would do to keep our life busy. A lot of that got wiped out. And so now people are having to decide who they're going to be. What will their new routines be post-COVID? Um, so there are similar parts at the beginning, at the end. The middle part is obviously very different for a sure. cancer patient. So, And the long-term impact is very different for a cancer patient. But um, but there are moments that we can capture, and it, and it is important. To, if we can capture those moments of the hearts of people, we can build a lot more empathy about around the cancer experience. 
Yes, completely understand. And one thing too, which I do think is similar is with um, your adventures and retreats that you send these families on, they're connecting with their families again. And I think that is something that COVID has forced a lot of people to do is more family time. Because for a long time, that's all we had was immediate time with our families because we couldn't see our friends. We couldn't see people out of our houses. And so, yes, other than binge watching TV and playing so much, so many screen time games, we actually had to talk to our family. And so in certain ways, you really just had to find the good in things because we didn't have a choice. And I think that's something that your foundation is also doing, which is amazing. So that is great. But I know that you are also working on something else that's really exciting. Can you tell me about that? Yes, and it is my gift from COVID. Um, <laughs> when we slowed down our retreat program, when COVID began, I was able to use all my resources and start pursuing my next big idea. Um, I have lots of ideas, but this is my next one, and it's called Rise. It's going to be an app um, for the cancer community. And when we think about Rise, um, we wanted to solve lots of problems. Obviously, my heart is for the emotional side effects of cancer. So we have created tools in the app just addressing fear, isolation, and identity. We, we've created, um, the original idea came to me, one screen, and we started there, and I thought that was going to be genius, and now we have hundreds of screens, <laughs> but um, was that on the day you're diagnosed, you walk out with this huge binder and all the treatments you're going to do, all the side effects that are possible, everything, and you have so many questions, and you stand there in the parking lot, and you're probably crying, but you don't know what to ask, and you don't know who to ask, and you don't know how to find help in that moment. Um, and my idea was just that if there was an app that had a map and on the map was me in the middle, I was a pin. And then there were all these other pins around me and the pins represented other people with my diagnosis that were within a 30 mile radius of me and all the nonprofits who are serving my community in where I lived and all the, the for-profit companies who have resources for me. If all of those were on one screen, then in one look, on the day I was diagnosed, isolation would not exist in my life. Mm -hmm. I would know that there are people around me that all I had to do was go to Starbucks and someone could some, come sit at my side, right? Or if I had a overwhelming uncertainty, look at these nonprofits that are ready to serve me, right? And so in that one moment, just the amount of isolation that grows through the cancer experience would be minimized. And then we would also be able to minimize decades of you know, recovery, emotional recovery, if we could stop those fears, those uncertainties in the very first moment. And so the, the app started with that. And we've grown because, of course, COVID has lasted a lot longer than we expected. So now there's tools for nonprofits to just re-engage and to sort of, you know, relaunch. There's there's tools in the app for, um, for nonprofits to... Um, make sure there's a quality of services across different cancer types and different regions and different demographics. Um, there's tools for people to connect with one another in their own region. So if I think in the past, a lot of the resources given to cancer patients were based in the hospital or in the cancer center because we weren't, um, we weren't going to live very long. We would live our whole life as patients, right? So to go to the hospital and have our yoga class or go to the hospital and have our counseling session made sense because we're there already. Well, now as survivors, we're not going back to the hospital very long. You know, I, as a metastatic, I'm 
with metastatic cancer, I don't, I still don't go to the cancer center very often. I'd much rather have go anywhere engaged, else, <laughs> go anywhere else, live my life, but still have someone at my side who understands my life. Right. And so with that in mind, we've created this app where I can go on and set up an event and say, I'm going to have coffee or I'm going to do a book club or I'm going on a hike. I would like for people to join me who are impacted by cancer. And so it's a meetup kind of interaction. But also inside of my feed are all the nonprofits and what they're providing in my region. So my feed will be filled with people who are looking for other friends who are impacted, will be filled with nonprofits and all the services they're providing. And it'll also be there's whole content creation part where we are going to push out like prompts. Like what was the most inspiring thing or what helped you through your darkest moment and all these prompts to help create a whole feed that is rising, helping us all rise together. Um, And so my app is going to be very, very impactful. I honestly believe we're going to be able to take this right now. I think they say um, the emotional impacts of cancer last about five years. Um, I really want to minimize that, take that down to a couple of years, Mm -hmm. give people the tools they need in their hand in a simple way that's up to date. You know, there's a lot of websites, there's, there's hotlines, but who calls a hotline anymore? Like we need something (laughs) that's like, you know, what we do, we use apps every day. Right. So create an app that, really gives me the tools to emotionally recover from cancer. I love that. When do you think we might be able to see Rise Out in the community for its use? Oh, man, I want it to be today. Um, <laughs> but we, because it, is drive, it drives people to move from online to in person, we really have to wait till COVID is coming to an end and wait for the community to be comfortable to get out there. So, you know, we were hoping for fall. It depends on this summer, how the numbers around COVID look this summer. Got it. We are super close to finishing up here, Lauren. Can you tell us uh, again how listeners can donate to your organization? Yes, definitely. Um, You can go to my website, um, and adventurefound.org, and on there there's a donate button. Um, You can click there and donate directly to families that we're serving, or you can um, go to text, text to give. So you can do a 925-574-5389 and text donate. And that will also take you to that same donation page. Perfect. I love it. That's a great time. That, and we need to wrap up, but thank you so much for being here today, Lauren. And this discussion has been super helpful for myself and also for others. Um, And again, you can find out more about Lauren Huffmaster and Adventure Therapy Foundation by just searching that and you'll pull it up and she has a great blog and a lot of information on there. But let's wrap it up. Uh, If you or a loved one are in need of our services, text us at, excuse me, you can visit our website at breastfriends.org or you can make a donation by texting BF Radio to 41444 to help Breast Friends continue its mission to ensure that women do not go through cancer alone. Our show is available across many platforms on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel or search Breast Friends wherever you listen to your podcast. If you would like to nominate yourself to be a guest, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. And we'll be back next week. Until then, remember, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time 
9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. We'll talk again next time.